Chapter Four, Part Eight of Famous Stories Every Child Should Know. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Famous Stories Every Child Should Know, edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Chapter Four, Part Eight. Undine by Friedrich Baron de la Motte Folk. Part Eight: The Day After the Marriage. A bright morning light wakened the young people, and Huldbrand lay musing silently. As often as he had dropped asleep, he had been scared by horrible dreams of spectres who suddenly took the form of fair women, or of fair women who were transformed into dragons. And when he started up from these grim visions and saw the pale, cold moonlight streaming in at the window. He would turn an anxious look toward Undine. She lay slumbering in undisturbed beauty and peace. Then he would compose himself to sleep again, soon again to wake in terror. When he looked back upon all this in broad daylight, he was angry with himself for having let a suspicion, a shade of distrust, of his beautiful wife enter his mind. He frankly confessed to her this injustice. She answered him only by pressing his hand and sighing from the bottom of her heart but a look such as her eyes had never before given of the deepest and most confiding tenderness left him no doubt that she forgave him so he arose cheerfully and joined the family in the sitting-room the three others were gathered round the hearth looking uneasy and neither of them having ventured to speak his thoughts yet the priest seemed to be secretly praying for deliverance from evil but when the young husband appeared beaming with happiness the careworn faces brightened up nay the fisherman ventured upon a few courteous jokes with the knight which won a smile even from the good housewife meanwhile undine had dressed herself and now came in they could not help rising to meet her and stood still astonished the young creature was the same yet so different the priest was the first to address her with an air of paternal kindness and when he raised his hands in benediction the fair woman sank on her knees trembling with pious awe in a few meek and humble words she begged him to forgive the folly of the day before and besought him with great emotion to pray for the salvation of her soul then rising she kissed her foster parents and thanking them for all their kindness she said oh now i feel from the bottom of my heart how much you have done for me how deeply grateful i ought to be dear dear people she seemed as if she could not caress them enough but soon observing the dame glance toward the breakfast she went toward the hearth busied herself arranging and preparing the meal and would not suffer the good woman to take the least trouble herself and so she went on all day at once a young matron and a bashful tender delicate bride the three who knew her best were every moment expecting this mood to change and give place to one of her crazy fits but they watched in vain there was still the same angelic mildness and sweetness the priest could not keep his eyes away from her and he said more than once to the bridegroom sir it was a great treasure which heaven bestowed upon you yesterday by my poor ministration cherish her worthily and she will be to you a blessing in time and eternity toward evening 
Undine clasped the knight's arm with modest tenderness and gently led him out before the door where the rays of the setting sun were lighting up the fresh grass and the tall taper stems of trees. The young wife's face wore a melting expression of love and sadness, and her lips quivered with some anxious momentous secret, which as yet betrayed itself only by scarce audible sighs. She silently led her companion onward. If he spoke, she replied by a look which gave him no direct answer, but revealed a whole heaven of love and timid submission. So they reached the banks of the stream which had overflowed, and the knight started on, finding the wild torrent changed into a gentle, rippling brook, without a trace of its former violence left. By tomorrow it will have dried up completely, said the bride, in a faltering voice, and thou mayest be gone whither thou wilt. Not without thee, my Undine, said the knight playfully. Consider, if I had a mind to forsake thee, the church, the emperor, and his ministers might step in and bring thy truant home. No, no, you are free. It shall be as you please, murmured Undine, half tears, half smiles. But I think thou wilt not cast me away. Is not my heart bound up in thine? Carry me over to that little island opposite. There I will know my fate. I could indeed easily step through the little waves, but I love to rest in thine arms, and thou mayest cast me off. This may be the last time. Huldbrand, full of anxious emotion, knew not how to answer. He took her up in his arms and carried her over, now recollecting that from this very island he had borne her home to the fisherman on the night of his arrival, when there he placed his fair burden on the turf and was going to sit down beside her. But she said, No, sit there opposite me. I will read my doom in your eyes before your lips have spoken it. Now listen and I will tell you all. And she began. You must know, my own love, that in each element exists a race of beings, whose form scarcely differs from yours, but who very seldom appear to mortal sight. In the flames the wondrous salamanders glitter and disport themselves, in the depths of earth dwell the dry, spiteful race of gnomes. The forests are peopled by wood-nymphs, who are also spirits of air, and the seas, the rivers, and brooks contain the numberless tribes of water sprites. Their echoing halls of crystal, where the light of heaven pours in, with its sun and stars, are glorious to dwell in. The gardens contain beautiful coral plants with blue and red fruits. They wander over bright sea sands and gay-colored shells among the hidden treasures of the old world, too precious to be bestowed on these latter days and long since covered by the silver mantle of the deep many a noble monument still gleams there below bedewed by the tears of ocean who garlands it with flowery seaweeds and wreaths of shells those that dwell there below are noble and lovely to behold far more so than mankind many a fisherman has had a passing glimpse of some fair water nymph rising out of the sea with her song he would then spread the report of her apparition, and these wonderful beings came to be called Undines. And you now see before you, my love, an Undine. The knight tried to persuade himself that his fair wife was in one of her wild moods, and had invented this strange tale in sport. But though he said this to himself, he could not for a moment believe it. 
a mysterious feeling thrilled him and unable to utter a word he kept his eyes riveted on the beautiful speaker she shook her head sadly heaved a deep sigh and went on we might be happier than our human fellow creatures for we call you fellow creatures as our forms are alike but for one great evil we and the other children of the elements go down to the dust body and spirit not a trace of us remains and when the time comes for you to rise again to a glorified existence we shall have perished with our native sands flames winds and waves for we have no souls the elements move us obey us while we live close over us when we die and we light spirits live as free from care as the nightingale the goldfish and all such bright children of nature but no creature rests content in their appointed place my father who is a mighty prince in the mediterranean sea determined that his only child should be endowed with a soul even at the cost of much suffering which is ever the lot of souls but a soul can be infused into one of our race only by being united in the closest bands of love to one of yours and now i have obtained a soul to thee i owe it o best beloved and for that gift i shall ever bless thee unless thou dost devote my whole futurity to misery for what is to become of me should thou recoil from me and cast me off yet i would not detain thee by deceit and if i am to leave thee say so now go back to the land alone i will plunge into this brook it is my uncle who leads a wonderful sequestered life in this forest away from all his friends but he is powerful and allied to many great rivers and as he brought me here to the fisherman a gay and laughing child so he is ready to take me back to my parents a loving suffering forsaken woman she would have gone on but huldbrand full of compassion and love caught her in his arms and carried her back there with tears and kisses he swore never to forsake his beloved wife and said he felt more blessed than the greek sculptor pygmalion whose beautiful statue dame venus transformed into a living woman hanging on his arm in peaceful reliance undine returned and she felt from her inmost heart how little cause she had to regret the crystal palaces of her father End of chapter 4, part 8